We are doing another Super Saturday episode of uh, Geek Vibes Live uh, due to my vacation, so I apologize that we didn't have our normal Wednesday show at 7 p.m., but my ass was going to a beach and enjoying myself, and now I have a window to do a wonderful Saturday show to go over Clash of Champions and NXT Night One and douchey comments from some of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, i.e. Kenny Omega. Um, but before we get to all that, I want to introduce my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing this wonderful morning of Saturday? I'm doing absolutely wonderful, man. I'm uh, absolutely stoked to be talking about some wrestling. I hope you're having a great vacation. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. First NXT live show, so I'm, I'm looking forward to just diving into this shit. And I also want to take time to let everyone know, with all the stupid fake holidays that they make up every five fucking seconds on Facebook, uh, National Cousins Day or whatever the hell, uh, it is actually the 21st of September, and they decided to name it uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. So go listen to some good fucking music from Earth, Wind, and Fire and have a great time. That's non-wrestling related, but I just wanted to throw that out there. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, are, are, uh, let's are get... You, are, you, are you saying you remember... I remember the the 21st of September. Yeah, I do. Um, the feelings we've had. God, that was probably terrible for a listener. Because I'm sure there was like a little bit of a delay between me and you, even though we both sang it at the same time. So it probably didn't come off at harmony. It came off probably like, you know, multi-tracked. Maybe it was like a delay. Yeah. Does anyone, does anyone know so, uh, well. studio music out there? I don't know. <laughs> I will 100% agree with you, though. This is the best fake Facebook holiday <laughs> in a long time because I fucking love Earth, Wind, and Fire. So. It's Represent. National Bacon Day. Fuck you. How about that, National Bacon Day? <laughs> Suck on my toes. Uh, I don't mind the donut one because if you go to Dunkin' Donuts, they give you a free donut, so that's actually pretty cool. But it's Or Comic Day or Baseball Card Day or Vinyl Day. Like, those are cool. You go to the place, you get the thing for free. That's cool. It reminds you, you how much you uh, Oh, God, I was about to do my Bill Cosby. Uh, we we can't do that anymore. You know, it's, it's for good reason, but I'm just saying. It's always weird whenever you're like, I used, I used to do the Bill Cosby impression. Now I can't even do it anymore. You know, I don't want to feel like yeah, I'm I mean, weirdo. I, I tried. With Bill, it, like, ruined a lot of people's childhoods that grew up watching Bill Cosby. <laughs> he was like a second dad for me, man. The freaking Cosby show was the shiznit. All right, well, we're not on Monday suck. I apologize. We're just kind of rambling. Look, me and Chris are tired. It's Saturday morning. We're giving you a show, so you should be happy. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. And if you want, and if you're a new listener, go to gvnation.com or Geek Vibes Nation. That's the whole entire outlet of our entertainment thing that we do. That website will show you all the articles that we write for comics, comic book movies, wrestling, what have you. Also links to our social media accounts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come join the conversation and also all of our audio options. There's a Stitcher link, uh, Spotify, iTunes. If it's, if it's available for sound waves, we provide some type of audio transducer 
uh, setting for your ear. I'm going to stop rambling and get back to talking about um, God. Save me! This is already going down. God, I brought up transducers. Transducers are actually anything that bounces sound off of. I learned that in audio school. So your eardrum is a transducer, so is a speaker. It's uh, crazy. Uh, someone's going to so tell me we're like, only talking. Welcome to the top ten episode where we review wrestling theme songs. <laughs> we could do that, dude. We could fucking. I don't know. We would definitely need to think about. We need. We need to start doing top tens, especially if we end up expanding the two shows. It would be kind of fun to do like a, you know, nostalgic trip in the past. I don't think anything modern would make it. The only ones I could think that would probably kind of be close is Shinsuke's. But yeah, you know, it's going to be I, a I lot would of say like uh, top ten like worst songs, whatever the fuck that uh, Adam Page comes out to. <laughs> Yeah, the the it's so just cliche. We get it. You're a cowboy. We get it. You're like the good version of of uh, what should we call it? Stan Hansen. But I just don't know why you wouldn't pay. Why why wouldn't you just pay and get like a theme song people know, like the one from Tombstone or like the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly or something instead of whatever. The or just do. Do those, that song and just make it, tweak it like WCW used to do so it's, you know, it's not really Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit that, that DDP's coming out to. It's, it's our own song. <laughs> or uh, Raven back in ECW with, uh, no, I think they actually just fucking let him play that damn song with uh, Zero yeah, from he, um, he, The Pumpkins. His, his uh, WCW song was a take on, I think, Evenflow. If I remember right, either him or Jericho, That's right. I can't remember. So, That's yeah, right. they did that a lot in WCW. But, yeah, ECW didn't give a single fuck. They just played whatever the hell they wanted to. For no, Sandman, like, I don't think – yeah, exactly. I don't think Lars Aldrich, you know, before Napster realized that some guy named Sandman in ECW was playing fucking Enter Sandman every damn time he came out to the ring. So, hey, I'm Lars Aldrich from Metallica. Mr. Uh, Sandman, can you, like, not play that? Uh, that was a terrible Lars impression. Um, maybe we should start doing this review. Though, what do you it, think? It reminded me. It, it did remind me of Spikolsky from <laughs> of uh, Fast from Time. Fast Time. Spicoli. Yeah. Yeah. Spicoli. There you go. What did I say? Sapolsky. See, I'm already thinking about wrestling. Got Gabe on my Gabe mind. Gabe Sapolsky. <laughs> and uh, to find out, Gabe uh, Sapolsky is now actually the owner of WWE. That's our first news. Arc. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. He's still doing his thing over at Evolve. But uh, I kind of hope that they use him creatively uh, within the family of all the shows they're doing. Um, it seems like there's been – what I, I will say to start off, even though we're going to go into Clash of Champions first, I it the one thing I really liked about NXT, some some – you know, viewers of the show that watch it every week might have detracted from this statement, but I think they showed us people that not normally on the show just showed us a, a wide array of different fighters. Like, I think I said to you, it kind of reminded me of, like, Street Fighter. Like, there was, like, a dude from every location in the world, you know, the, and next week they're going to show Keith Lee versus uh, uh, whatever the hell his name is, Di- Dominic Dijakovic, Dijakovic, uh 
the Russian, the evil Russian, basically, from fucking Rocky. Uh, so it, it just seems like it has that flavor, and I really kind of liked it. It reminded me of Evolve's product a bit, and it was cool to see people from 205 Live represented on there, uh, Evolve, you know, with, uh, I, f- I forgot what his name is, uh, Artiro Huas, I believe, uh, who was awesome. Uh, it was just a cool uh, experience. Uh, did you get a same, like, kind of feeling from it? Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. I I love seeing Arturo Artur, come out in the um the gi and then wrestle yeah. like that Brazilian jiu-jitsu style. I think that's really cool. It's like it's like it's kind of spot on cuz he is letting you know the gimmick ahead of time, but that evolve match he had, I thought was one of the best matches on that card and a lot better than some of the other stuff I saw that weekend. Uh which I think AEW was the same night and then right after if I remember it was Oh, God, there was a New Japan show, and I thought that was one of the better matches where they worked that style. So that's that's really, really cool. I'm glad to see him there. And uh, I did hear that Gabe is involved in WWE Creative at some level Ooh. now. So that's interesting, and, and that leads me to believe that you're going to see more Evolve on uh, the WWE Network. The Network. Well, you know... With him and even Trent Seven to an extent, that's one of progresses, and he has his own thing uh, as far as uh, producing shows. You know, I think Triple H is, has a couple warriors, even William Regal too, with uh, NXT as well, that he's keeping around to kind of help him with NXT. And it seems like, and this is kind of something that we're not going to go over, it seems like Vince mostly, and we kind of saw this coming with XFL, uh, apparently he watched uh, the whole entire NXT thing. And uh, he was texting Hunter. Hunter said this in the press conference, like literally hours, like three hours before the show, two hours before the show, 15 minutes till you go get on, like kind of, I guess, doing that <laughs> the chaotic, I'm making you nervous, so you're going to perform better. I, I feel like Vince, if anyone's ever seen the movie Whiplash, uh, J.K. Simmons had a very similar philosophy, his character, I should say, a very similar philosophy on trying to stress out the people so that they do their best job forcibly, basically. But uh, Vince said that he, from what Triple H said, Vince watched the whole show. He was very impressed and said, keep on doing it. And I think one thing that they're benefiting, at least for now, is them being at the performance center because that audience is already built in. And if someone is, is breezing through the stations and sees, oh, what's this, NXT on USA? The audience, they don't have to worry about them projecting as much. Now, I don't know if that's going to last, you know, the whole entire time, but we'll get into that. We should definitely start reviewing. Do you have any other little statements uh, so we stop rambling and, and give them their content? Ugh, like a robot. Sure. I, now, I will say uh, Vince watching NXT and being like it's good makes me wonder if he ever watched it before. <laughs> no, I doubt it. It's been really good for a long time, so I don't know what the fuck he was doing. Uh, but like <sighs> outside of that, I also heard that Paul Heyman had seventy to eighty percent of the writing on Monday Night Raw, and this kind of points to our theory that this XFL starting up is is going to take some of Vince's time. And it, I did hear that he kind of grenaded SmackDown a little bit again. But hey, man, maybe well, so- maybe we're looking at something different, right? Yeah, and I think that's good, and I think that creatively over at SmackDown, they're kind of pigeonholed because they're literally making their transition, um, and it kind of sucks for, you know, it seems like apparently Vince went, uh, you know, and not a bad idea, but went over Eric's head and brought Brock Lesnar on, he had no idea about that, and 
which is fine. You don't have to tell them, I guess, everything. But what I'm trying to say is I definitely think Eric's in the business and dealing with Fox. That's more of his thing. But it's now it went from him and um, P.S. Hayes, and now it's him, Michael P.S. Hayes, uh, God, um, the guy who has something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. They, now it's like a team of people for SmackDown because Vince is not not there. But I think also creatively, whatever happens, especially there's going to be a difference once they transition to Fox, Vince not being there is going to be interesting because if Paul or if the SmackDown creative team led by Bischoff or whatever, or even NXT to an extent, if, if people are still not happy, you can't blame it on Vince as much anymore unless he's, like you said, grenading the episode and rewriting it. Yeah, and I, there's still going to be a little bit of that because it's Vince. And also, I'm sure that Bischoff was not pissed off that Brock Lesnar showed up to give him a top feud yeah. for SmackDown. You know what I mean? Like, that's Bischoff was probably happy about that. If you look at the current state of that show, he's like, well, we fucking get Lesnar? Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, I can't wait for the yeah. draft, man. I think the it's also confirmed, guys, uh, the NXT brand will not be involved in the draft. They're keeping their thing. Uh, Triple H said there is possibilities of, of wrestlers uh, ending up on NXT from other platforms. And, you know, we already kind of talked about last week with NXT uh, kind of taking 205 Live slowly in it, um, which is good. You know, the Cruiserweight division's awesome. There's a lot of great superstars, as we saw, actually, uh, that night. But, you know, I forgot the direction in which I was going. Chris, can you help me a little bit? What was I talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think essentially what you were talking about is, you know, last week I was saying I hope the draft – we were talking about how we hoped that the draft was a three-way draft where NXT actually yeah. has multiple obligations. Even if they end up drafting most of their own stars, you could at least see people move back and forth. Um, it sounds like they're just going to do the normal draft, but we're going to have people pulled off of NXT, uh, which makes me a little nervous because – there's two ways that they could go with Velveteen Dream, which we're going to get into the show, and I think one of them is awesome, and one of them yep. is awesome as well, but scary because you don't know how they're going to utilize said person. Uh, so, yeah, I completely agree with you. It's, it's, it's a weird scenario whenever you talk about uh, NXT, and, and, and to some extent it does make NXT seem like the minor leagues a little bit when you don't uh, And I don't draft. like that, yeah. So I, I didn't necessarily care for that, but I mean, I, you know, I think a year from now NXT is going to be the better show of all of these. If they keep it as it is, even if they're rotating in in and out talent, it's just it's a wrestling ass wrestling show. And if you're if you actually like in ring action, I'm based on that first live show and what they've done in the past, I would say that that's going to be the go to. Yep. I completely agree. And, uh, you know, with the draft, it's very interesting. I don't know if they've confirmed this. I don't think they have. But it almost seems like USA and Fox are taking it like a serious draft. Like, I don't know if they're going to do a out of uh, Raw or SmackDown show um, or they're just going to do it on the platforms once they start. But they're taking it seriously, and it's it looks like they're going to make a lot of changes. Certain people, I think, are going to stay. Like, I don't see Roman leaving SmackDown. Obviously, Brock's probably going to stay. So is Kofi, a lot of the champions. But it is interesting that they're doing this. And it reminds me of when they first did the draft in the early 2000s, where the wrestlers themselves didn't know where the fuck they were going. Uh, I think they did that a couple times, actually, because they did one where JR got pissed 
that he was split up from King in the late 2000s. So, you know, if, if it's like that and they kind of just the, the sport aspect, I like that being driven a lot more into it. And I like that. And I appreciate that with NXT, AEW, New Japan. I like the sports driven stuff. I know that that's not for everyone, but I don't know what the fuck you're watching wrestling for personally to me. If the wrestling is not one of your main uh, things that you like, you know? Yeah. And I will, I I will say this as well uh, with Fox. I'm assuming that they're going to go for a lot of the bigger guys and you're going to see an an actual people that have accolades like Chad Gable and then like new day will probably shift to raw uh, for entertainment value. So I I think you're going to see a lot more of that. The other thing I would say is, um, they're bringing in, which I did, I because I fell asleep and missed the news with you that one day. Uh, they're bringing in actual uh, like sports analysts uh, that handle normal like drafts, which I've said they've done for forever, to actually announce draft picks and stuff during these shows. Or that was that's, that's the so plan awesome. or what I've read, which I think is awesome. I've been saying forever, if you're going to treat it like a draft, treat it like a draft, but also treat the entire roster like free agency or a sport, like any other sport. Um, I like it being more sports-based because that's the idea is that you're getting in the ring and you're trying to win a title by being the absolute best. You know, it's it's super easy to hate uh, – well, you don't, but it's super easy to hate the Patriots because they're so fucking good. Make something like that. You know what I mean? Like make a, a realistic storyline that I think people that can, can get behind and uh, – I think that goes over well, like better to me in in today's modern time than uh, like who killed, uh, who tried to kill Roman. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, who do you think would win in a stare off between Vince McMahon and Bill Belichick? Like first person to blink. Oh God, dude! I don't think we have enough time to break this down. Uh, <laughs> Off the rails. <laughs> I think I think Belichick. I'm gonna go Belichick. I think he you think he's gonna win. <laughs> that man has an ice cold stare, and uh, he's never once gotten mad at the media like Vince did during the XFL days. If you remember, he oh, went fucking God. shit all over that guy. <laughs> he will like, smack you in the, that face. in the face. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna um, fuck your wife. What? Bill Belichick is down. just stone cold, dude, and and not stone cold Steve Austin, but just. Like ice what? cold, and he never gives you the answer you want. He always diverts around the question, and that shitty hoodie adds like you know, ten thousand HP to Bill Belichick. <laughs> he dude, he it's looks like item. the fucking emperor. He he looks like Palpatine. <laughs> I I feel like he goes to to fucking Tom Brady and is like, let let the let the hate flow. <laughs> you know, does that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god all right well hey um i enjoyed this conversation uh but we had an event that happened september 15th last sunday uh in charlotte north carolina uh called clash of the champions and uh um, for short <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh lord yeah uh it's definitely I'm, I'm turning red and i don't even know why this is so stupid uh, um <laughs> So I think I, I really actually really enjoyed this event for the most part. Uh, there were some really, really bungled things that we'll get into. Shit, second match right away. But let's start off with this. We got a match with Drew Gulak 
uh, Humberto Carrillo and Lindsay Dorado, uh, three-way for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. I think eventually Humberto Carrillo is going to take that title away from Drew Gulak. The way they've been building up two five live that Drew, you know, and I don't think this is actually true, but he helped him out over here and he's given him guidance and now he didn't like him because he was becoming too good, you know, and they threw Lince Dorado in there. I don't remember who took the pin because the 205 live matches are way better than the, uh, the pay-per-view 205 live matches, if that makes sense. So I've, I feel like I've seen this a million times, but Drew Gulak won. Definitely saw that coming. Ten minutes and five seconds. Chris, how did you feel about this match? So I had to go back and rewatch this because, as I told you, I missed the beginning of the pre-show. I thought it was a good match. Uh, because I watched it out of order, I don't want to give it, like, a harsh judgment or anything as far as the crowd reaction and stuff. But um, I hate Humberto's name because it's too much like Alberto Del Rio. And the reason I say yeah, that is, that's like, true. you need to disassociate him as hard as you can with Alberto Del Rio. Uh, I think he's a great athlete. Really, that that was a really fun match, especially, you know, went 10 minutes on the opening. I I still wish instead of doing these matches that they know are going to bomb on the pay-per-view, they would shove the 205 patch in the middle there to keep the excitement up. But that's more just like how I would book it versus how they would book it kind of thing. And also, like, why the hell are they showing commercials on the pre-show if the thing's not on the USA network? Like what, who is the pre-show for? Because the idea of a pre-show in general is to sell the pay-per-view. Yep. Oh, we'll get to that, man, because I watched a nice little AEW commercial during NXT when it was on USA. I was like, Whoa. And apparently a lot of different broadcasts were, uh, Got that same thing. So interesting choices with advertisement. Um, obviously, that's out of, you know, that's USA and TNT working together a little bit, but kind of a similar concept. I don't know why they don't sell the pay per view. I don't know why they do stuff. And I also don't like it during the matches. I would rather fucking you do packages, have a little bit of talking with the people that's all over rehearsed and very quick and they don't have enough time to talk and actually spend time on these matches than anything else. But Let's talk about this clusterfuck, Chris. So we get to our second match. It's AJ Styles going against Cedric Alexander for the U.S. title. And didn't even have five minutes. You have Cedric Alexander that is, is – and I know that there's been rumors lately that Vince was trying to bury him. I don't know how much I believe into that. Um, I mean, I guess you could take it that way. I just don't think AJ Styles would do that because he knows – he he's made a lot of great comments recently about Cedric because Cedric's a huge AJ Styles fan. It's kind of crazy, but that was his biggest influence, you know, growing up. And stylistically, you can see that they share a lot of similarities. Uh, so I think a lot of people were expecting a great competitive match, but it just wasn't. And they put it on the fucking pre-show. AJ Styles, one of the biggest wrestlers in his generation, I would say up there, you know, not to the level maybe a Cena, but pretty close to that. And that's what they did. Um, I, I, I didn't get it. You could have put many of the other matches to start off. I mean, I don't – the Miz and, and Shinsuke Nakamura, that has no heat compared to what you've been building with AJ and, and, and fucking Cedric. So I don't know how the hell the decision got made for that, but I thought it sucked. Chris? 
I, I think the rumor of him getting buried a little bit actually makes sense in the scenario, but I do think they're going to pull him back to 205 Live, and maybe he'll have a resurgence there on the NXT show. So I don't have a huge problem with it. Um, I mean, when you get caught with a Styles Clash on the outside and then get hit with a Styles Clash and then take a beat down from the entire club and then don't have any response, it does seem like you kind of got buried. So I totally get that mindset. <laughs> what I will say is what they did in the ring for the five minutes they were in there was pretty awesome. Uh it just kind of sucks because I, I wanted the match to be more because they're both so fucking good and it's AJ Styles, and I think he should always be, if, if you care about, like, in-ring work rate or quality, I think he should always be, like, at least in the middle of your show with someone really good. This match was just kind of just thrown on the pre-show, and instead of giving me, like, Baron Corbin updates of King of the Ring, I would much rather have them had, like, a 10- to 15-minute match. I think that would have been awesome. I, I will say I do like what they're doing with the club, and I like that they're a unit, and I like all that type of stuff. But it sucks because I know, and you know too, Chris, that AJ can do better. It seems like they've been kind of, you know, giving us blue balls, if you will, with AJ, with AJ a lot. You know, we know he had an incredible match with Shinsuke, Wrestle Kingdom. They worked great together. That feud kind of fizzled out into nothing. Samoa Joe, they've had incredible matches together. It didn't really do that much, even in ring. And then they kind of just hop-shotted Seth Rollins real quick, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander, and didn't really – I mean, they had good matches, We could have, but I think we could have seen more, basically. I think they're underutilizing AJ to an extent with his in-ring um, abilities. They are to some – like, they are, like you said. Uh, what I would say is hope, hopefully – it's to either combine undisputed error at some point or bring back Finn and make him part of the fold and then have them yep. have their strong run. Cause that's the other thing is like Finn got killed by Bray and has been gone, which was a planned vacation. So he's not injured or anything. Uh, which why don't more wrestlers do that? If you're like Sasha Banks or Luke, Luke Harper, where you're just pissed off. Instead, just ask for a planned vacation. Apparently, you can do that. Uh, so I don't know. CM Punk uh, was amazed by that concept that you can go and get married and go and have a time off. <laughs> he not, was very not not, uh, not get sent a letter that says you're fired the day of your wedding. Basically, <laughs> such a dickbag move. Ugh. Um, no, yeah. All jokes aside, or around that, I think they're. They are building for something with Styles. They're probably just waiting for after the draft. Because, I mean, obviously they see him as a main event player. Or they wouldn't have him in there with oh, yeah. uh, Braun and and Seth and, and those guys. They're going to build something towards it. I honestly think that it will work best if they bring Finn back and he's a heel. And he's part of that crew. And then you have Finn go on a roll uh, with with, you know... AJ kind of being the Hulk Hogan of the group a little bit. And then you can build I could, to, I could you know, Finn versus, you know, Finn versus AJ coming out of that if you wanted to. Yeah, because the, I mean the smartest situation I would think is age in the kind of scheme of things, pull a uh, horseman with Sting, if you will, kind of build up Finn as a bad guy and either one of them gets screwed over, you know, either AJ 
overweight or overstays his welcome or they decide to beat the shit out of Finn, you know, because and they can do a lot with that. That's a that's a storyline I believe that when done correctly, it's actually, you know, it can make a good baby face come out of it. And it also seems like one they're taking time with, which I'm completely yes. I'm completely okay with. It does seem like they are vetting out what they're doing with the club. I think maybe Paul Heyman has some influence in that. So I do see that going in a positive direction. Um, and I'm sure Paul Heyman to himself is thinking, if they don't get drafted to SmackDown when Finn comes back, I'm going to do something fucking crazy. Uh, and, and it's also like perfect where – Maybe you, if you want to do something really cool with the fiend on Raw, you have him kill all of the club, and you know he's wrestling Balor in a main event, and then the club turns on Balor because he loses or something, and then yeah. the demon's out, and that's your setup for Mania, right? So it's not that hard to book. I think I I do think that's probably the direction they're going in because I just don't see what you're going to do with the fiend outside of Undertaker, and I don't know that they want that match again. Because um, they didn't really have a great WrestleMania match the first time. And well, here's the thing with that. To... I would just say with Undertaker, if you're going to do it, I, I mean, I'm not trying to force Undertaker out of the ring. It's not going to have much of an impact if he doesn't retire afterwards. You know, and he's kind of already done that with Roman and then came back. So that's – and Brock even, uh, you could say to an extent, uh, with him. You know, that could have been a good way to sign off, I guess, but – Taker wants to stick around, but I don't think it's going to have that much meaning with The Fiend at Mania unless it's Undertaker's last match and he's literally passing the torch. Yeah, I think if I was doing someone to Undertaker, I would try to do a tag match or something uh, with Kane. Because I think Kane coming back was actually really fun. Like, I enjoyed the shit out of that. Um, I did too. And another Brothers of Destruction match uh, against, like, The Revival or, or something would be fine. Or the if you if you're able to build up our uh, you know the authors of pain or um, the Viking Raiders like you know a big badass tag team they can do a lot of work in the ring so that Kane and Undertaker don't have to do as much I think that would be better because you're going to show less of their weaknesses and uh, I don't know Taker's last match was actually pretty good after that Goldberg thing yeah <laughs> so <laughs> God. Um, but I, I don't want Taker versus Bray. They just I, I don't think they have any chemistry in the ring together. Um ba- at least based on that the mania match I watched with them. It just was it wasn't good at all. Uh so that leads me to believe that you're either you're you're either going Alistair and you're gonna try to build him uh for Mania or you're gonna go Finn's coming back he's going to get turned on and then do demon. And if it was me and that's the storyline, now you've booked the storyline for six months. So I would do the club with Finn, uh, probably up to mania. And then, you know, the club turns on him and, and he has no, no one to go to for this monster known as the fiend, uh, because he already lost to him or he, you know, whatever, however you build it, that's an easy storyline. And I feel like, you know, demon versus the fiend is probably, if you look at the general fan base, that's what people want to see. They're like, oh, God, I can't wait to see Demon versus The Fiend. It's like, it's just from the faith base, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's like saying, you know, it's just it's just Steve Borden with uh, face paint and that's Sting. For some reason, something about but it, but one thing that Sting does. I was about to say that, yeah. 
what the difference is, and this is what I would do. I mean, and I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but I love this scenario we're planning out and fancy booking. That's probably not going to happen at all. But if he goes back to being that cocky, arrogant, uh, you know, Prince Devitt from New Japan, the real rock and roller, you know, that type of arrogance, and steps on AJ's toes, and they slowly build it, like you said, and then there's a turn. If you're going to position the fiend against the demon, I think Finn, those are the two characters he should be. He should either be the real rock and roller, Prince Devitt, arrogant heel, or he should be the demon. And I would have him as a demon. I've heard him in interviews saying that it takes time, but he doesn't have a problem with putting on the face paint. He actually really enjoys doing it. It's, it's Vince. It's, Vince doesn't want him to do it. He thinks it's like an ultimate warrior on occasion sort of concept, I guess, that he just turns into this thing. But I think, I think Finn would be a little bit more lively if he just was the demon permanently, like after that. And that's why he goes against the fiend as the demon. He takes that back, probably loses, but still, you know, keeps that character going. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to the boring smiley dude. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say, um, you can build that feud up to, to Royal Rumble and have them turn on Finn and then have Finn somehow win the Royal Rumble over AJ. You know what I mean? And that would that's be your awesome. WrestleMania main event. Because I do think they're putting that fucking title on Bray and I don't expect them to take it off at all. They're going to do a lot of fun house stuff with that title. Uh, and probably and that's fine. the way they protect, uh, the way they've protected Brock, which I think is actually really smart. No, I, I do too. And I, if I was, you know, if I was booking, basically, I position Seth and AJ in a feud once Seth doesn't have the title anymore, and do that for a while, and have some good matches between the two guys. You know, just they've kind of already put in place that concept, so I think it would be good to actually act on that. And I want to see Bray in a thing with Braun as well. I'd love to see the two of them. You know, the Monster Among Men versus the Fiend. Obviously, you have him lose, but still, the Fiend. There's a lot of cool things they can do with if Bray gets the titles, and I'm not as worried as I once was that they're rushing it. I think, you know, you look at Austin. How long from Stone Cold Steve Austin doing the 316 promo at uh, King of the Ring to him getting the title at WrestleMania against Shawn? How how long was that? Was that about a year? It was a year, but the crazy part was he broke his neck in between, so they didn't get it as fast as they actually wanted to, which kind of led into the Montreal screw job because Stone Cold yep. was supposed to be the guy that Brett was going to drop the title to, supposedly. Um, according to Brett, I don't, you know, obviously that story changes depending you know, on who you uh, talk to. You know, I was, uh, <laughs> I was uh, going to drop the title to him, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, he got hurt, so... I wasn't going to do it to Sean. Fuck Sean. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, but that that story does make sense, though, because of the, the match that him and Brett had. You would think that would be your build-up. Um, one of the greatest matches of all time in WrestleMania. One of my favorites. And they called a majority yeah. of it in the ring. They just came up to the spots and just fucking said, screw it. And it's great. Great, great it's match. great. All right, well, uh, let's yeah, get to... No, but uh, right before we go, I think that's that's easily the way to go. Like, It's so easy to book out of that if you put Finn back with the club, that it, especially if Paul Heyman is, is actually getting as much of the show as they say he is, and we're talking near December, which is when XFL is supposed to really ramp up. I, I'm assuming that's probably where they're going. 
I hope so, man. I hope all the stuff that we just talked about is going to come into effect. But we'll have to wait and see. I do think that WrestleMania Fiend versus Demon would be awesome. I, I wouldn't put – I don't know. Maybe if, if you build Fiend so well, maybe he can take a loss finally at Mania against Finn and you can give him the fucking belt like, you know, what originally is going to happen. I don't know what they do, but probably it would be Fiend going over. Anyways, let's not fantasy book anymore. Let's get with this pay-per-view. First official match – Tag team match for the uh, Raw Tag Team Championship. Robert Roode going against Dolph Ziggler. No, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler going against Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. And weird. Hey, we booked this exactly what the fuck happened. Maybe we know the inside of Paul Heyman's mind uh, because it was kind of (laughs) obvious that they were going to have some type of something happens. It was a good match. Uh, I think it was almost nine minutes and 40 seconds. It was a good match back and forth. You have – Three great in-ring competitors, and Braun's good, too, for his size, but I'm just saying, like, those guys are quick. They can kind of – Bobby Roode's fucking excellent. He's an excellent performer. Um, But, you know, there was a little bit of non-understanding. Seth was out. Um, No, something happened. I don't remember exactly because it was last freaking weekend, but um, one was taken out uh, and was outside, couldn't make the tag. The other one got pinned afterwards. It was like, what the fuck, man? Where were you? And they got all aggravated at each other. So very on the nose, but I don't have a problem with it because I kind of wanted this thing to set up like that. So, Chris, what did you think about this match? I actually thought it was a really well-worked match. It wasn't my favorite match on the show by any means, but uh, it was a lot of what we thought it was going to be. I just thought the club was going to be involved more, to be honest. Me too. And they they really weren't. I think that's the one thing that we got wrong. We kind of knew it was going to be a fuck finish with Braun hitting Seth. Um I didn't like that Braun didn't beat down Seth, but I understand because he's they're trying to build him as a baby face, I guess. I you know, know what I mean? Instead, they just had him have that awkward interview where he's like, I didn't lose the titles. Seth lost the titles, and he's going to get these hands later. <laughs> so that, that's what that's they went question. with. <laughs> uh, which is fine, but... <laughs> I, I just assumed like the easy out would have been to have the club do it since they've been building up the club versus those two um, in multiple different ways. And they ended up not going that route, but the match itself was good. I just, I, I was really surprised on the out, not the outcome so much, but the, the way it was booked, if that makes sense. No, I completely get it. And uh, speaking about strange choice in booking, but I guess progressive story, you know, uh, Bailey did some heelish stuff, but she's, I, I'm assuming what they're trying to transition her character as is that she's being influenced by Sasha, but she's in denial. Like she still thinks she's a baby face, like a good person. And she's an inspiration, but slowly Sasha's getting in her head and kind of, if, if, if Sasha is the emperor, she's Darth Vader sort of thing. So she did some heelish shit to win. The match wasn't even four minutes and Charlotte took a loss, but if it progresses the storyline, I like that they're really selecting these four women and really u- utilizing them because they're four of the best wrestlers, period. Um, you know, either as popularity and ring work, combination of both. They're four of the strongest competitors that WWE has. So uh, I don't well, care. Of, I'm not one as invested. Of is, one of them is. One of them is on the next team, and two of them are part of a tag team that never gets fucking mentioned. So <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh. You're, you're talking about four horsemen of MMA. I'm talking about Charlotte, Sasha, 
uh, Bailey and and uh, no, I, I'm talking uh, about Becky. I, I I'm talking about the three horse women of wow or stardom that they don't utilize as far as being the oh. best workers in that company. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, at least EO's got what she's got. They don't. Chris, they don't call them the horsemen, though. God, the horsewomen. Confusing the crap oh, out of me. Sorry. No, you're good. Sorry, bro. Uh, but, uh, I mean, um, if they, but if they're one, they're I'm just one saying short, I'm, they can. I'm like, well, they're one you know, short. They could have signed Mako Satamura back when they had her at the uh, the May Young, but obviously they didn't offer her either a contract or enough money to have her come in, but she's also one of the best. So I would love yeah. a four women Japanese Yoshi, uh, you know, female uh, group just come in and just berate them. And if you have those that, four women, I, whew. yeah, that, that's what I was getting at is now you have the four horse women three-way match. <laughs> you bring Ronda back and that's your fucking main event for WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I could see it. What if Ronda comes leading the Yoshi wrestlers against the four horsewomen? Um, that'd be interesting, for sure. But like I was trying to say about the match, um, I'm not as invested uh, as this side as the Sasha and um, and Becky. Uh, so this is whatever. Like I said, this is story progression. What did you think about the match, Chris? I thought what they did in the ring was fine. Um it was very short. I didn't like the turnbuckle spot because of the camera itself. Didn't show her deliberately taking off the pad as well as it should have, and it kind of missed the spot where Charlotte hit it. So the finish looked yeah. like, what the fuck happened? And as a wrestling fan, you understand, like, oh, she had the turnbuckle, so she lost. But to the general audience, you would just be like, what the fuck just happened? Um, I wish they would yeah. just give her brass ducks or something. Instead, like bring back the brass knucks. I mean, if you're gonna cheat, why not just like deliberately cheat? Like the most heel move is to hit someone with brass knuckles. <laughs> like it really is. Because uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I knocked him straight out. Look at that. <laughs> uh, and they kind of did that with Charlotte, and I was just like, it's only been four minutes. I feel like it also makes finishes look weak when you do that finish I I don't know so that piece I didn't like I like them continuing the feud but the thing is no one wants to see Bailey be a heel unless she is a heel against Sasha that was the entire storyline that they set up so her being a heel against Charlotte who's also a heel uh, I don't think people give a shit about to be honest no they don't alright well the next match was the revival going against the New Day Uh, 10-minute match uh, for the Tag Team uh, SmackDown Championships, or the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, however you say it, probably the correct way. Um, But this is a good match, good back-and-forth tag match. Uh, The Revival ended up winning. I think that was smart, actually, because it made us think, oh, shit, maybe Kofi is losing to Randy, and we kind of already predicted that. Uh, But it was kind of like, I guess, like a false concept. We got a great tag match between these two groups. They always put on good matches together. And, uh, yeah, Revival is still your WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. But here's the thing. If you ask me next week, maybe, if there's no changes, who's the Raw champ- Tag Champions and who's the SmackDown cha- Tag Champions, I'm probably not going to remember. So I'm just being honest because I feel like they flop around so fucking much. 
Uh, Chris, what did you think about this match? I agree with you. They do flop around a lot. I thought it was a really good match. The Magic Killer spot looked like they fucking killed Big E. <laughs> that was the most... Yeah. Like, they definitely hurt themselves more than they hurt Big E, but also he took it kind of wrong. He took it, like, directly in the chest instead of hands up in the face. Because, I mean, it's essentially a code breaker, like a lifted code breaker. Um, and it looked like shit. I will say that. Uh, I thought Xavier Woods was brilliant in this match. I thought he definitely pulled the perfect, uh, you know, baby face selling in, in distress the entire time. And I like the revival, just not just immediately pinning him and actually doing something that's like, no, we should murder them. So <laughs> they can't fight us again. I kind of liked that. So there was a lot of stuff I liked in this match. I didn't really care for their promo afterwards as much. And uh, I think that the game plan for the pay-per-view changed whenever they signed Brock to come back to SmackDown. Cause I, I really do think that, that, you know, the original idea was Orton was going to win and you're going to have a run with these guys. But when they got Brock, they were like, sorry, Orton, you're not getting the title tonight. I agree. And especially on the promo stuff, man, I don't think the revival are terrible, but you know, for someone that's obviously somewhat of a throwback to the brain busters or the, you know, the Anderson brothers, I don't know about Oli, but if you want to see some great fucking uh, promos and study off of them, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard could fucking cut a promo. Uh, shit, Tully still can, obviously, with, with his work with AEW. But I would definitely go back because they come off like, yeah, we're doing like like Cameron Grimes. <laughs> like, we're yeah. doing rednecks. Yeah. We just beat him. We're heels. I, I, just, I just don't do an interview directly after a match and then ask people to remember lines. Like, they just yeah, want 10 minutes up. in the ring, and they're out of fucking breath, and now they have to do a fucking promo. Um, if you're going to do it, just let them shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like if I, if I just ran a lap around the track and had what I was going to say in my head, when I could get back to the microphone, I'm probably going to be like uh, NASCAR racer, basically. I'll be like, car ran real good all day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's what would happen. <laughs> yep. I, I completely agree. Um. All right, so then we had the tag team women's championship, whatever they are. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, Alexa Bliss and Nixie Cross. They actually, this was a pretty good back-and-forth uh, match. I will say that I think Mandy and Sonya especially are getting better in the ring. Um, they've definitely improved since they first started. Alexa's good. Nikki's good. You know, I hated the fucking buildup with Mandy Rose doing the cheap heat of calling Nikki unattractive, whatever the fuck she said. It was stupid, especially since Alexa Bliss has done the same exact thing, but I guess she's a baby face now. Not quite sure. Chris, fuck, fuck this nine-minute match. Does this mean the Kabuki Warriors? I mean, oh, my God, I said that. Does this mean that, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Asuka and Kari Sane are going to finally take the fucking titles from Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross after this, because who who else do they go against? You know, do you want my you want my honest answer on it? You, you're going to say just kibosh the titles altogether, right? They're going to split them in the draft and kibosh the titles. I can see that, it. That's my guess. Um, 
but I mean, yeah, Kabuki Warriors would be great. I thought this match was actually pretty decent. I agree with you. I think that uh, specifically Mandy Rose, I think, has gotten better in the ring. Um, not to the level that Lacey Evans has gotten at recently. <laughs> she left for like two months and got really good. <laughs> but uh, yep. she's, she's got better in the ring. Uh, which I know Lacey Evans was in the match. I'm just saying, uh, as far as getting good goes, it was a weird. To me, it was a little bit of a weird match in a weird spot. And uh, we, I want to see the Alexa Nikki thing play out, but also I don't want to see now. I don't want to see Alexa turn on her. So if that was the, if that's what they were going for, it was like no, now we're going to turn Alexa's face and she's going to be really friendly with Nikki. Uh, I just don't know where the storyline would go. Out of you, she would. Uh, no, she would get a lot of heat if she did that, though. Alexa's good at doing that. Alexa is ever going to get heat if she's dressed like Harley Quinn. She's never going to get the heat <laughs> that they want her to get. <laughs> I'm sorry. She needs to talk it's to Io Shirai and get a completely new uh, new look. Um, she would have to to be a heel. And the same thing with Bailey. Like, it's hard to take you seriously as a heel when you have a side ponytail. Like, <laughs> you look adorable. I want to give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. So, the next match, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura uh, with Sami Zayn going against the Miz. I actually thought Miz was going to get back the IC title. We kind of all predicted that. Um, I think he would have tied uh, Chris Jericho's and, uh, amount of IC title wins. Well, because Vince is petty. Um, it makes sense. He's done that before in the past, and he doesn't really count the <laughs> IWGP uh, IC title win, I guess, as an actual, you know, Vince's. Anyways, but um, I just don't know what the fuck they're doing. I, I, I just hope that after Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns go against Eric Rowan and, and, and uh, Luke Harper, which I'm, I'm assuming is what they're building up to, and whether or not Daniel screws over Rowan, once they're done with this I would love to see Daniel Bryan go for the IC title. Uh, I think that title means a lot to him. And him and Shinsuke have wanted to have a feud for a long time. So I would like to see that. And I also would like to see The Miz involved with, you know, Daniel Bryan in some capacity. I think the IC title is a good way of doing that. Maybe we can transition the two of them to their rightful spots. I love Daniel Bryan as a heel. I don't love Miz as a babyface, but they're better, I think, at their opposites, especially with The Miz. But uh, what do you think about this match, Chris? Nine minutes and 35 seconds. So I hate the grab a microphone and try to do commentary while you run around the ring thing. That was this match. Yeah. Right? Sami Zayn totally did that. Yeah. I love Sami Zayn. Let me start by saying that. <laughs> this was awful. Like, I muted the TV. I just couldn't fucking deal with it. I was like, this is terrible. Like, I can't. So, I can't give this match an actual, like, if I liked it or didn't like it, because I thought, like, the in-ring stuff was fine, but because of, like, Sami Zayn yelling over top of actual commentary that was happening plus the match, it was, this was hard to watch for me. And, and that may just be an audible thing or whatever, like with, as far as how I hear stuff, but I, I fucking hated it. This was my least favorite match of the entire fucking night. Hey, I completely get it, man. And people are going to think this is an insult, and I don't mean it to be, but 
there are a lot of similarities in I feel with Sami Zayn that Al Snow kind of had during his generation. Al Snow was great on the mic. You know, he had a wacky-ass fucking character that he did stuff with, and he was great in the ring. He taught a lot of wrestlers uh, from, you know, the modern generation. Uh, But he was always a joke in WWE. They never gave him a fucking push, and they made him even sillier and sillier as the days went by. I remember the big boss man ate his fucking dog, for Christ's sakes. I, oh, no, no, he got him to eat it. I don't remember. It was you want a little pepper with your steak? Cause his dog That's right. Pepper. He killed and cooked his dog because he's a big boss man. He's from Cobb County. He gives zero fucks. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh, but you see what I'm saying, though. Kind of a comparison. And, you know, you can be a great guy on the mic. You can be a great guy at character work. You can be a great guy in the ring. But somehow, if you don't click, I guess, with Vince... You might be a part of storylines, but you're not going to get over a level of mediocrity, um, which sucks for Sammy. What what I will say about Sammy is they missed a golden opportunity with him because when he came off NXT, he was the biggest baby face they had ever had and probably one of the most over people they had ever had. Um, and then he got his shoulder hurt against John Cena. He had that great match with John Cena, and then when he came back, they just immediately threw him in with Kevin Owens. And then did dick all with him. And then he got hurt again. The biggest thing with Sammy, and I think, you know, we can be like, Sammy Zane's amazing, it's great, and all that stuff. But yet, thinking about it from a business perspective, he has been hurt a lot. So, and also, look at that I'm not, if you're booking long-term storylines. I'm not trying to be a dick, and I definitely have no room to talk, but I wish Sammy would get in better shape. It seems like he doesn't give a shit anymore. I mean, El Generico, Sammy, he's always kind of looked like that. He's in good shape. I I don't give a, I, I give zero fucks about the shape thing, honestly. Uh, unless it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, if Marco Stunt is wrestling, like, Goldberg, then, <laughs> like, that would be absolutely yeah. ridiculous. But, like, I, I just I, – I'm fucking done with the – Vince guy shape thing. I think, you know, it's good to have a guy that looks like a superhero and shit, but also it's good to have a dude with a dad bod who's over with the crowd, listens to punk music, and fucking halluva kicks people. They just ruin Oh, man. It. You know what I even <laughs> thought of, too? I don't think this is an even accurate comparison, but it does kind of remind me how how – how over was Diamond Dallas Page in WCW? And then when he finally got to WWE, he was a stalker fucking weirdo and then became a motivational speaker. Like, something like that. Like, how the fuck does someone have so much steam? <laughs> yeah, I have a little no bit. Idea. I, don't, I have no idea how they fucked up Sami Zayn, dude. I really don't. I thought that he was... Well, actually, I mean, the idea is he got hurt and then Vince killed his push. He did the same thing with Finn. I mean, he's still pushing Finn, like, mid-card level, but when Finn won the title and had the shoulder injury, Vince kiboshed it. Vince wants dudes that are going to be there day in, day out. And that's very hard to do in that if you're wrestling at the level of Sami Zayn, who's just constantly killing himself to have a good match, even if it's only, like, two minutes. Um, So, uh, I don't know. Uh, My advice for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens would be when the contract's up, leave and go to New Japan, do something cool there as a tag team or something. 
because them versus Gorillas of Destiny as a tag team, especially if he goes back to El Generico, that could be really fucking fun. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, I think the match is really picked up after this. Um, I thought all four of the last matches, especially this next one that we're about to talk about, were a lot of fucking fun. Sasha Banks won against Becky Lynch. Now, it kind of sucks because it got kiboshed uh, by a disqualification. But then they went and and had basically ended up being, I think, 20 minutes of them just beating the shit out of each other all around the arena. They kind of would go back to this with Eric Rowan and, and Roman a little bit. But the ladies, it really reminded me, Chris, of a callback to Sasha's match with Charlotte on Raw uh, where they were using – the the um, uh, the the what the, the handrails got yeah using the handrails for, for I thought it was an awesome match I really enjoyed it I know we're gonna see more going forward and it kind of had a shitty bullshit ending but like I said for story development if there's a purpose I don't have a problem with it and these ladies have entertained me with kind of their rock stone cold sort of chemistry going on if that makes sense. Not that yeah, what I've learned from a promo, like, like the what I've button, learned you know, from so. Becca, Becky, and Sasha is that the only opponent for either of them is Charlotte because they don't have great matches together. So Charlotte seems to be the common de- denominator in there. Oh, you didn't like this match? I thought it was fine. It just it was just okay. Well, it wasn't enough. It wasn't a fucking Lucha match or a New Japan match, but it was a good brawl. I'm I'm giving my honest opinion. If you put Charlotte in place versus Sasha, or you put Charlotte in place versus Becky, it's gonna be a be- it would be a better match. Well, sure, but it's a match between the two of them, so. Yeah, so I'm saying they don't they they didn't have good matches against each other in NXT, in my opinion. They didn't have a good match here. I thought I thought it Sorry. was fine. I also don't really care about the storyline that much, um, and I don't really care about WWE pushing Sasha as a sympathetic person when she left the company for four months publicly. It was like fuck WWE, and now they're trying to twist it like on their network, and she's supposed to be a heel, but they're trying to make her sympathetic. There's a lot of stuff I don't like about this, and it's just a weird situation. I did like the brawl. I did like the chair spot with Becky doing the disarmor through the chair. I think it's fine. I just don't care about the storyline. And I'm also kind of just done with Becky because I don't think that she's what they think she is, to be completely honest. Uh, I do not go by any of the comments of my co-host. We have different opinions on this, so I'm just going to keep on going, Um, especially the Becky Lynch comments. Uh, all right, so we had well, Kofi no, Kingston like going to hear against... your take. Like, let's, I mean, I, 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 I completely wrong. I completely disagree with you, pretty much on everything on that. I thought it was an awesome match. I thought it was fun. I understand Charlotte would have a better match with both of them, but they were the ones in the match. Uh, Sasha, besides the documentary on the network that not everyone watches, she's been pretty positioned as a primary heel uh, this whole entire time. Uh, she's kind of even manipulating Bailey at this point. And I like their back and forth. I think that's actually one of the more uh, cool things going on on, on uh, Raw, basically. I think it's good writing yeah, by Paul, I'm assuming. Indivi- like, her storyline kills Bailey's character, who was the champion at the time. 
How? So the biggest thing that's happened to Bailey in the last couple of years was Bailey turning and, and, and joining Sasha. Or just get the, the feud. Bailey hasn't done shit. She was her tag well, partner. Like, the person she should be mad at is Bailey, who is also a champion. That should be your feud. Not Becky, who had dick all to do with fucking. <laughs> Ron Burgundy. Ron Sasha. Burgundy. Agree to this. Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I agree, but we'll agree to disagree on this one. I like I said, the match wasn't like it, it's not like it was grizzling shits or terrible or anything. It's just it was a storyline match that they built into the pay per view, and I, Becky has had a bunch of bad pay per view matches since Mania, in my opinion. I, I don't think that she's really stood out. And uh, I don't think that she's the character that WWE thinks that she actually is. All right, are, you, are, are we are we moving on now? Mm-hmm. All right. So Kofi Kingston went against Randy Orton. Uh, this was a pretty kind of got boring. I'm sorry. It's very methodical. That's how Randy Orton does his matches. But after 20 minutes and 50 seconds, I will say I'm happy. Right. That Kofi got a win over Randy. It seems like this this is going to dissipate because he's got a new problem with Brock Lesnar. Uh, but he was able to, you know, I guess avenge himself, which is a good notch. I'm surprised they did this. I thought that Randy was going to get that title from him, but obviously there was other plans. Chris, what do you think about this 20 minute slow robot match? Um, it was still good. I'm, I'm, maybe, I'm giving a lot of shit. No, I mean I think you're. 100% right. It was a very methodical Randy Orton, Triple H style match. Just Kofi selling 80% of it, and it was that's what it was. It wasn't very good. Uh, it, it, especially if you compare like other Kofi matches he's had recently, like the, the Daniel Bryan matches he had, which well, Daniel Bryan, but it's not like Randy Orton's a bad wrestler or anything. He's, he's had great matches. I just kind of expected more from the two of them, especially giving 20 minutes to it. Yep. Other than Kofi just selling the entire time. Um, I like the match overall. I'm not going to be the guy that's like, that match was fucking terrible. Because uh, I thought it was still, like, Kofi selling was pretty good. And there's some good spots. I did think Randy was going to win. And I think the Brock thing, they must have gotten that done right before the Orton-Kofi match. Because I do feel like probably going to have Brock dismantle him and then Kofi wins at Royal Rumble and that's your Mania match. Uh, because Kofi's been such a highlight spot in Mania, I feel like he's going to have some kind of weird thing where he does something completely fucking crazy in the Rumble and wins the Rumble and then there's your Mania match. Because if Brock gets the title, he's holding that bitch till Mania. Like, at least. I would say so. I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, and people will bitch about it, but um, and me and you, we we both don't have that same type of animosity anymore towards Brock. He is what he is. He's an attraction, and he if if it's a guy that he can work with, he puts on damn good matches. And Kofi seems like that same type of recipe, Chris, as a Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, a Seth Rollins, uh, that he's put on excellent matches with. Yeah, I I think the the problem is most of the big guys they try to put him against aren't as good as Brock Lesnar is. <laughs> <laughs> like, so yeah. he doesn't know what to do with them um, And he doesn't want to just do Like we're going to do five spots Like with, I mean like him and Cena had a really great match Which was kind of crazy But like you put him against Braun That was like terrible I don't know that I thought him and Joe was really good um, Yep I, 
Brock hasn't had a terrible match outside of the Dean Ambrose scenario. And I just think they just didn't like each other at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, but we'll we'll see with Kofi and Brock, but I definitely think there's a lot coming with that storyline. And I like your scenario with the Royal Rumble. I think that would make a lot of sense. Eric Rowan it would also defeated be, Roman it would Reigns. Be, it would also be great to see Kofi finally win one instead of just being the highlight reel, right? Yes. No, that would be fucking awesome. That would be a great accomplishment yeah. for him. Um, Eric Rowan defeated Roman Reigns after a 17-minute and 25 no-DQ match. These guys beat the living shit out of each other, especially Roman, man. He can take some punishment. Uh, at the end, I think the big reveal, though, was Luke Harper helping out uh, Rowan uh, get his win and coming back into the fold. I don't know where the fuck they're going with this. I'm not even sure WWE knows where they're going with this storyline. But I'm glad Harper's being utilized in some way. I'd let him get behind the mic and give him some time to fucking cut some promos. Um but they're going to do whatever they're going to do. Obviously, I think that a lot of us think, not, maybe it's not obvious, but it seems obvious that it, this is going to be building towards Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns going against the Bludgeon Brothers or the ex-Bludgeon Brothers. And possibly, you know, Daniel Bryan was behind it the whole entire time and he ends up fucking over Roman. I don't know if they do that or they just have a tag match and then uh, Daniel Bryan becomes a babyface. What do you think about this match? What do you think about Luke Harper? And what do you think they're going to do with Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns uh, after this? I was, like, way higher on this match than a lot of people. I thought it was very well, like, very, very well done. It was a good-ass brawl. Um, the only downside is I wish that he they would have let him hit the spear from that full sprint that Roman was because he looked like he was going to kill Rowan. <laughs> and then just have Luke Harper attack him because I wanted to see that down the ramp beer that would have been awesome um but it made sense i i get why why they did what they did i just give us the spear and then maybe do the attack after or something um outside of that i i think probably you're gonna have brian with brian's gonna come out as the mastermind and then you're gonna have brian luke and rowan versus the samoans essentially uh, oh yeah, yeah the Usos and, and Usos and Roman, or yeah, Usos and Roman. Roman and Rowan are like way too. Was it just flip the letter <laughs> upside down? Same name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think you're gonna have the you're gonna have the Samoans versus uh, Daniel, Luke, and uh, Rowan. That would be my guess of yeah. what they're building. Uh, that would be friggin' awesome if they do that. I would love to see them utilize the Usos with Roman. I think that they're a great, you know, group together. And they, I think they bring out Roman better, you know, with him on the mic and stuff like that because he feels looser. So, yeah, I would love that to inevitably happen. Bunch of fun wrestlers, too. Um, yeah, and, and I also, I also will say, they... Eric, Eric Rowan has gotten better in the ring. He has definitely gotten better, better in the ring as a big guy. He used to be like a lumping just whatever the fuck and definitely looked less compared to – Luke Harper, especially, or even Braun, but I think he's gotten better in the ring. I, I don't know if he's gotten better or is, we just haven't had the comparison because once Luke Harper gets back there, we're going to be like, God damn it, Luke Harper's so good. Why are they not pushing him? Because I guarantee you that's <sighs> going to be the conversation a few months from now. Um, but I will say this. I think the idea of 
Roman with the Usos is is fucking great. Like money should roll that. Like, and I a hundred percent for whatever reason, if you watch like Drive Along with Roman, he has so much more personality when he's just talking normal than when they give him a mic. Like I don't I don't know what the disconnect is there. It's like it doesn't click or something. Um, or they're giving him too many lines, but uh, and, and I will say that Roman's push since he came back from leukemia has been pretty well done. They haven't overdone it. Uh, I think they've put him in some good scenarios with different wrestlers, and eh, I, I don't know. I just hope the end the end all of this is not somehow Brock versus Roman at Mania. That's my only hope. Oh God. Oh my God! I didn't even think about that, Chris. Oh, Lord. I mean, split them from brand. If I if I'm WWE, I split them from brands so that fans don't even like think about it. But you, you put Roman or Raw. Say, you... you can finish your thoughts, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say you put Roman on Raw, you put Brock on SmackDown, split them from brands so that you don't even have to worry about it. I know a lot of people consider like patting themselves on the back with the Connor sh- or cure thing, but I think it's really great how much Roman's been involved with that. He was on, um, I believe he was on Lillian Garcia talking about it. I listened to it not too long, but it's just, he's gone through the same journey. So it's even a, a different level uh, than most wrestlers that go there can be able to relate to. So I, I love that they're pushing him with that. Um, and I don't think it takes away from his badassness. I really don't. Uh, it makes him relatable. Yeah, I agree. And I don't understand why people would shit on anyone doing anything for charity, regardless of the amount. It's just I bet it, it's so stupid. <laughs> Remember the ALS uh, challenge not too long ago? Everyone was doing that. I had this girl that went off on me about fights and how charities do this and that. And I'm like, so what do you do? Just nothing? Just, well, you're such a good person for, I don't know. I don't get that. Yeah, yeah, you're a good person for not donating anything ever. Congratulations. (laughs) Yep, you're (laughs) actually an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, people can fuck off with that. I agree with you on that one. (laughs) Uh, All right, well, Seth Rollins went against Braun Strowman. Um, I did not see this match going the way it did, honestly. But the way that they kind of made it, both men were worn down. Braun was obviously the one that I think was in the ring more so, but Seth got hurt on the outside uh, with their tag match. And Seth just took it to him, man. He got thrown around a lot for the majority of it. And then kind of like Brock similar, uh, he came back and took shit. I think what was it was like five stomps finally to put Braun under. Uh, after the, uh, I know it just weakens the shit out of that. He even did a pedigree to try to get him. That, now I just remembered. Uh, which I yeah, think he, he should had go to start do, doing he had to do, again. He, he had to do Hunter's move to get the pin, basically. That's how I took that entire fucking match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent job, Seth. That was a very smart maneuver. That's exactly what I would have done. Uh, he definitely hit the arms and uh, got the pin, shovel style. <laughs> shovel style. You should hit him in the face with it, that stupid big. Anyways, um, I'm just kidding, Braun Strowman. Don't kill me. Uh, Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, I don't think that was the story. The story was afterwards when The Fiend showed up and put the fear into Seth, and that would travel onto Monday Night Raw when the Demon, for some reason, I understand they're in Tennessee, 
Kane came out. He beat, or he he beat up the guys that were beating up Seth Rollins. I don't remember exactly who it was at the time, but it ended with the Fiend coming and taking another victim in Kane, um, and then just terrorizing Seth more. So, is Seth bit off more than he can chew with the Fiend, Chris? I mean, yes, because he's going to lose a hell of himself. <laughs> like so, yeah. If he doesn't, we're all going to fucking revolt. <laughs> yeah, people are going to be pissed. Um, my biggest problem with this is I, I thought the match itself was like actually really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Um, my biggest problem was the storyline coming out of it, which was then they had Braun show up. It, well, one he took like set like eighty five finishers, like you said, <laughs> to beat him. But then he just showed up and destroyed the entire tag division the next night. So that means that Seth could, like, wholesale own all the titles by himself, in my opinion. <laughs> like, because he beat Braun, and he's beaten Brock, which basically means Seth is unbeatable. <laughs> yep. Which is fine. Nice. But that's not the story they're telling with Seth, because the very next thing he did in the main event was have him cower from the fiend. <laughs> It's interesting, man. It's really interesting. Uh, I, I don't get it, but I'm interested. I'm glad that we got to see uh, interaction with Kane. I think you're going to continue seeing that with The Fiend. Uh, obviously, he's not going for the people that we think he's going for with Austin and Taker. And I feel like SmackDown, their anniversary show, when it goes to Fox, I think Mr. Stinger is going to take a uh, Scorpion Death Drop from The Fiend, and it's, this is going to continue, basically. And Seth is going to be shook to his core. And he's going to take that title. The Fiend's going to take that title away from Seth. They better do that. If I, I don't even want if to shoot I was WWE, If I was WWE, I would definitely have him kill everyone on this anniversary show. But if you're like, no, nah, Sting's got to be protected, then have Sting screw him out of the way that held him cell. Just like drop down from the rafters onto the top through the middle of the cell or something and then just lay fucking Bray out with a bat. Yeah. And just leave. I like it. Because, I mean, like, either fuck the legends or not fuck the legends. Like, either have the Fiend kill all of them or don't have them on the show. Because that's your new star and you need to build your star. I agree with you completely. And that's one way to do it. And I like what they've done so far. Let's talk about some NXT, Chris. I was really pleased, like I said, about the uh, first night that they had. I know a lot of people, including myself, had problems with Hour 2. We had uh, one, of our, uh, one of our members, Chris, uh, was commenting on that. And just to let everyone know out there, as soon as Suits is done, which is after next week, they go back to – it'll be a full two hours on USA Network. So you're not going to have to switch between the things. Uh, I guess you can look at it in good ways and bad ways because the network – just couldn't handle the people trying to all get in. So it just completely, I had a log back in completely. I know a lot of people did. Some people didn't, but you know, I guess that's still them being busy and keeping their viewership from USA to the network, probably more of like us, the casual fans, but uh, it did over a million. I think it was 1.5 million viewers, which is, I think is definitely the, what they were going for. You know, they're not going to expect having 3.5 million viewers on the first fucking episode. So I know a lot of people are giving them shit on that, but I think that's actually a, a pretty reasonable number for WWE to get. 
but yeah, with all the problems, I think they put on a great show. The only thing I didn't like, Chris, was the ending. I thought the ending was stupid. It's like Paul was like, all right, so I remember Attitude Era. We just sent fucking everyone just out and everyone would just fight. And there was no organization of who was fighting who. You know, they could have had the Imperium kind of square off with the Undisputed Era. They could have had Pete Dunne go for Walter's <laughs> throat because why wouldn't they? Because Walter and Pete Dunne hate each other and they're both brawling just randomly. Like, it was just a lot of random chaos and it could have been a little bit more organized. But I'll give him it first night. Live on USA. I thought they did a damn good job. I thought Hunter did a good job. Uh, overall thoughts before we go into this uh, event, Chris? Overall thoughts. I thought the first hour of the show was amazing. The second hour was lackluster because of, one, I had issues with the network. And if you're going to do that, they should probably do a 15-minute intermission so that they can deal with their issues for next week. Yeah. Or do a talk show in the middle and then just let it run over because it doesn't actually matter because you're not on T. It doesn't have to be exactly two hours. It can be as long as you actually want it to be. Um, so that entire thing was fucking stupid um, and very upsetting. And then I got fucked out of a Matt Riddle match, essentially. So the second hour. And that's the third like time they've the done that. Hour. It's like, can we just like, get Killian Dane versus Matt Riddle? Yeah, I want to see that match. Can I finally see that match? Probably not, because now they're going to do Dane versus Walter instead. <laughs> or I'm not even sure. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, let's get into this, because some of the stuff they set up and some of the people that were there, really, really cool. Uh, they start off with a bang, Chris. Four women for the number one contender to go against Shayna Baszler. They had Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, Mia Yim, and Bianca Belair. Uh, the end happened with LeRae hit a reverse Rana on Yim and a springboard moonsault to win the match and get the number one contendership. After the match, Shanna Baszler, Maria Shapir, and Jessamyn Duke surrounded LeRae on stage and tried to intimidate her, basically. But, dude, I understand that she's literally gone. Lucha, did you call it a lucha fault? Yeah, I'm actually reading from something. That's what it said. That's a reverse Rana, isn't it? No, it's it's a lion fault. Jericho. Spring, Chris Jericho. Oh, springboard moonsault. Springboard moonsault <laughs> is what they listed it as. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, like, it is like, a lion salt. It's a lion salt. It is when they didn't salt. call it a lion salt, I was like, they really do hate Chris Jericho now. <laughs> that shit's deep, man. Well, they shouldn't have pissed off Chris by fucking over a great storyline with him and Kevin Owens, you know, just to have a, a match between Goldberg and Brock Lesnar that didn't really need a title. But I think we all kind of, you know... He, he he stated recently that was the start of the end, basically, of him giving a fuck yeah, about working with New but Japan. To, to, to be fair to Goldberg and Brock, they had a better match than Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. They did. No, I will I will give you that. They definitely did. <laughs> so, but they, I think they I think they went on second. So it was like they're I I don't even know if Chris and and Kevin were even into the match. I think they were both just unhappy, especially Jericho, which sucks. But you know, he can be a bit of a diva, I'm sure. Uh, he's Chris fucking Jericho. He deserves to be a Tifa, I guess. But anyways, yeah. getting back to this match, we I kind of – I was like, all right, so Io Shirai, Mia Yim, Bianca Belair. That's literally Shayna's last three uh, feuds. So I didn't expect any of them to win. And I was like, wow, they're going to really give this to Candice? And Candice won it, and I'm really happy. I don't think she's going to take that title from, uh, from Shayna Baszler. Shayna already kind of fucked over Rhea Ripley, and she's going to come back for that title, for it. And I think Rhea Ripley actually believably will be the person to take that championship off of Shayna. 
I mean, I love Candice to have it. She's great in the ring, and she proved it. Uh, they all fucking were, were awesome. I think everyone, especially Io Shirai with that moonsault, man, and just not giving a shit and just not looking back behind her as she jumps off a turnbuckle to the outside to make sure all the ladies are there to catch her. It kind of reminds me of like when Shawn Michaels did it at the last match she was in, and Undertaker and Kane were just completely not there. They just smashed and broke his nose against the floor. Yeah, Io, Io doesn't have, have, didn't have that problem. Not that that was Sean's fault. But they just looked great, all of them. This, it was a really good way to start off their first show. Uh, great competitors. I like all four of these ladies a lot. And I'm glad they gave it to Candice. It'll be fun. Yeah, I enjoyed them giving the title to Candice. I liked the way they set up the match. I liked uh, Io Shirai, obviously. is fucking incredible, as we've already talked about previously. I love her theme music. It, I love the new heel gimmick and the theme music. I, I like all of it. I think that she's great. My wife is like, man, she looks like a star. That's what she said. And I was like, she fucking she does. Because like, my wife doesn't watch NXT, but it was live, so we ended up watching it <laughs> for the first time. And she was like, dude, she is she like a big deal? That's what she said. And I was like, well, she should be a big deal. But <laughs> um, yeah, I like I – like, Larray getting the win, I thought I thought was cool. I think that's a good scenario because I, I don't feel like they're moving uh, Shayna unless they get Ronda back and they have some kind of something for her to do. Essentially, yeah. it seems like they're focusing the main roster on the four horsewomen. Um, I think that trend will probably con- continue to at least Mania because it doesn't seem like Ronda's coming back immediately, anyways. So I actually have no problem with it. I. I and, and the match itself was really good. Um, Candice seems like she's gotten better in the ring. And also, like, Bianca Belair is a thousand times better. Like, every time I see her, she seems like she's a thousand times better. I don't know what that is, but uh, I think that she could be a superstar, too, if if used yeah. properly. Completely agree with you on that. All right, so then we had a promo. We're getting the uh, sequel from Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic, the last one, Dominic won. Keith Lee has been on a losing streak, and it seems uh, he might be turning heel, so it'll be interesting what happens. These guys, I saw them do a fucking Spanish fly, and they're both huge dudes. I mean, <laughs> Dominic is, is, is almost seven foot. I think he's like six foot eight. And Keith Lee has to be like over 300, 350, basically, maybe even more. Like, these guys are big. And they can move like they're luchadors. It's fucking weird. The first time I ever saw Keith Lee, I don't know if it was the first time for you, Chris, was that video that Thomas sent us of him doing, he almost killed himself in the process, but he cleared the rope and did a moonsault to the outside on a bunch of dudes. And I'm like, who the fuck is this huge guy working like this? Um, I'll I'll let you comment on that. But uh, also just to kind of throw it in together, Cameron Grimes came out, uh, defeated Sean Maluda in record-breaking time. He did a jumping double stomp. That's his finisher. Uh, I, I, I feel like Aleister Black should have a conversation. Be like, oh, that's your finisher. Oh, that's cool. That's just a random move that I do. But, you know, whatever. Just have fun with it. But, you know, I just don't – it didn't look believable. Loki has been in, in MLW beating people in a couple seconds, but he's putting them – it's like MMA. You know, he's either hitting them with an elbow right at the start. It looks realistic. This didn't really look good, and Cameron Grimes needs to take out that fucking hat. And I do like – Cameron Grimes um, beforehand, but he's kind of looking weird with the uh, whatever the hell the 
God dang it, I can't remember what the hell the guy's name. Anyways, Chris, what did you think about the, the promotion for Keith Lee versus uh, Dominic Dijakovic and the match with Cameron Grimes beating Sean Maluda? Yeah, the Keith Lee match was very similar to the one that they, the last match that they did. Uh, it was a lot of the same stuff, but it was really well done. Like it was a good, it, it was it was a lot of fun watching those big guys do a Spanish fly is absolutely incredible. And then it makes you think like, hey, only big dudes should do Spanish flies because it looks way more realistic. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, if you think about the Spanish fly, it's like you both are accepting a, a flip into your life. <laughs> Jesus. One, can, one can you imagine Walter trying to do that? That'd be awesome. I bet he will. If he ever fights Keith Lee, I bet he'll do, they'll do a Spanish fly or something, or at least he'll reverse it or something, <laughs> which would be great. Yep. All right, well, we moved on to the main event of the USA broadcast uh, for the North American Championship. Roderick Strong going against Velveteen Dream. Uh, towards the end, Strong capitalized on undisputed era interference. Then there was a ref bump and an end of heartache, but uh, he couldn't put Dream away. It took Adam Cole to super kick Dream behind the referee's back, and Strong hit a second end of heartache to win the match and become the champion. The prophecy is there. They all have gold. I will say, I with Velveteen Dream, yes, he is a superstar. I think he should have had somewhat of a promo beforehand, maybe early, like at the beginning of the show, to show off that side of him more. Um, they did good with the packages, though. Uh, I just think that he's a bigger star than he definitely should have had a takeover level entrance. I think. I think they should have done a little bit more for the first night, just to show how big this guy is. But I disagree with people thinking that Dream basically got buried from this because now he got fucked over from the North American title. He didn't lose that. And Adam Cole's the reason why that happened. So this makes me think almost immediately afterwards, he's going to go after Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream is going to be the next NXT champion, whatever that is. Chris, what do you think about this match? I agree with you 100%. I thought the match was really good. Um, there's some there's some missed spots there here and there. It's kind of the first time they've worked together, and it's live for the first time, even though they live to tape or whatever. Um, a little di- different atmosphere. I thought it was still a good match. It's not as good as like Adam Cole versus Gargano, but that's asking a lot. And um, I 100% agree with you. I think they're definitely setting up for velveteen dream to go after the title and finally get his nxt title like heavyweight title win he is he was by far the most over person on the show it wasn't even fucking close in that arena um i think they should have done more to highlight him but yeah i 100 percent agree with you as far as where that's going in the future because i'm assuming next week he's coming after adam cole Dane, are you there, bud? Oh, I think we may have lost Dane. Oh, no, I was muted. I'm sorry. I was just talking about this awesome match and had no idea. Uh, I muted myself. So let's go back a little bit. We went to the network, and then Pete Dunn went against Arturo uh, Huas. Uh, and Arturo is awesome because he's straight Brazilian jiu-jitsu, capoeira. Uh, I love Nigel McGinnis pulling out some, some history about capoeira and saying that it was a form of of dancing that they, that the, the basically the slaves used to um, 
make it look like they, they were just doing a dance maneuver, but it was actually fighting so they could take on and overthrow. Uh, very, very good. I think that, and I've said this a billion times, Moro Ronaldo, I love that he's so into it that he gets over, you know, intense, and sometimes it can kind of hinder. But I will say, I think the three of them have a good dynamic, and Nigel McGuinness is a really, really good commentator. This match was fun. Um, it ended up uh, uh, Arturo ended up losing from submission with an armbar while uh, Pete Dunne was basically breaking his fingers. Um, but Pete looked like a monster in this. They both looked badass. Uh, I, you know, I was really impressed with this guy in Evolve. I'd like to see a lot more of him. Uh, I like his style. You know, I've always been fascinated, Chris, by the Muay Thai um, MMA fighters. You know, Vandale Silva, Anderson Silva. Uh, uh, Shogun, uh, you know, just that style specifically with Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and then throw in Capoeira to kind of even make the dynamic a little bit even different. It's got a good look for him. Yeah, I I like this match a lot. I thought it was uh, not as good as Arturo's last match at Evolve, but it was pretty good. It was a good opening I guess reintroduction to the general public to Pete Dunne with him stomping his elbow and almost breaking it and then putting him in the arm bar uh, while breaking his fingers. Uh, it was a dominant, to me, it was like kind of a dominant Pete Dunne win. I don't know that I would have started Arturo with that. Uh, but outside of that, it, it was a really great match. And I do love that character. I think it's it's fun. And I like, especially if you're trying to do something that's more sports-based, talking about their accolades uh, beforehand. Like, for instance, if it's sports-based, Dolph Ziggler would probably wreck a lot of people on the roster. <laughs> yeah, uh, he would. So I'm glad that they're, right. like, Talking at least talking about it and kind of trying to bring it into gimmicks, much like they do with uh, Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so then we had a match with Zaya Lee going against poor Leah, who I think has been a. I mean, if she's like she's like Ono, but Cassie Sono had this legacy beforehand as Chris Hero, but I think I've seen her there literally for years, and uh, she lost again to Zaya Lee. Although Zaya Lee. Really cool concept again. Both very different. Not the greatest match, but she, I, I think Xylee is getting better. Uh, I like this Chinese uh, superstar that has like the geisha look almost. Uh, very, very cool. And uh, yeah, she made what she kicked the crap out of Aaliyah with a tornado kick, actually. So, what do you think about this match, Chris? I think it was a WWE cool off match. Like they didn't know what to put yep. there and they just kind of threw it there. <laughs> So I feel kind of bad for them. They also didn't give them that much time to work. So I uh, I can't say it was a bad match, but I will say it, it would be unfair for me to say it was a good match. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so we had a wrestler named Denzel. I'm not going to even try to pronounce that. He was a jobber. I'm sorry. He was out in the ring. Uh, he was supposed to face Kushida, but he was attacked and destroyed by Marcel Bartel, Fabian Eichner, and Alexander Wolf of Imperium uh, from NXT UK. Very weird to see them, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, there. I, that was very unexpected. You know, from if I were to have thought people coming over from the UK branch, it would have been Mustache Mountain or Tony Storm. But very interesting. Apparently, uh, what Triple H wants to do is have some of them over here for a program, then send them back, basically, 
and kind of just, just to show all the array of talent. And he plans on once he has other performance centers and other shows set up to do the same thing where NXT is the main hub. Makes a lot of sense. He's usually utilizing all the uh, talent that he has, but people yeah, are I mean, saying he's Walter. He's essentially doing territories. You build yes. a star, and then you move them. You build a star, and then you move them. Which, if it works, is going to be amazing and work really well. I agree completely. Well, I don't think any of us were expecting Walter to be there. Um, you know, the crowd was rumbling for him and started booing when they thought that he wasn't going to be there. But then. The three members put their hands out. Walter music hits. Everyone crazy. I was extremely excited. Walter comes up. Uh, he joins them, but then is immediately interrupted by Kushida, who's pissed off that his match was kibosh. And we had basically uh, Kushida brawled with Imperium until he was caught by Walter. Kushida barely escaped, but apparently a challenge has been made between the two of them, and we're going to be seeing Kushida go against Walter. Like I said, man, this is like Street Fighter. There's so many great different fucking fighting characters with different looks and different styles from places that we knew. You know, Kushida was so well-known in Japan. Walter was so well-known in Europe, especially Eastern Europe. It's great seeing this come together. I thought it was a very, very cool uh, – one of my favorite spots of the night, I would say, Chris. It's, it's great, but it also makes me worry about Kushida because – do you beat Walter? And I feel like Kashida is the perfect guy to beat Walter, but maybe they pulled the trigger a little too early on it. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. Because yeah. Kashida is also a shoot fighter. <laughs> so <laughs> you have a little bit of that in there. And uh, I think Kashida could be, a, I've always said this. I, I always thought Kashida was a star and I felt he could have done more new Japan. And part of the reason he left is because he wasn't getting pushed in the manner that he should have probably been pushed in comparison to some of the, some of the other talent there. Let's say that. Yep, I agree, man. And it'll be a very, very cool interaction between the two of these guys. She is an awesome, he's a monster because he, there's not a lot of wrestlers that are so amazing at both high flying at a capacity like he is and also technical wrestling. Like I'm trying to think in my head, I mean, I can think of Ricky Steamboat, you know, I can think of, um, it's, there's, there's not, you know, to be good at both dynamics, Eddie Guerrero is another good example of that. And he is, he's really good at wrestling and he's also really good with high flying and doing just crazy off the wall shit. Him mixed with Walter who does crazy off the wall shit for a guy his size. It's going to be a lot of fun seeing them interact. I think. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Cause not going to do the Tyler Bates spot where he almost dies on the floor though. I can almost guarantee that he's going to be like, no, fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, the, the, I'm the buckle that. bomb to the post. Yeah, yeah, Kashida's not doing that, so don't expect that move. <laughs> that's that's dangerous, man. I don't, I really don't like the buckle bomb. I'm gonna be honest with you. I know I don't want to sound like a fucking nilly, but you know, it's not my favorite move. It just looks like if it, if it goes wrong, there's such easy way for that to go wrong, and then it's you know one of my favorite wrestlers has to retire. Yeah, it's even anyway. worse when. When he did it, he did it outside to the post. There was nothing even to grab onto yeah. with your hand, and he missed. Ugh. He missed the post, and fucking Bates's head was like pull up. And I know that they don't want to say he had a concussion, but I don't know how you don't have a concussion off that one, to be honest. Yeah, that's a very good point, man. That that match was nuts. All right, so we had the cruiserweight championship number one contender match. Uh, Oni Lorcan going against Leo Rush, who showed up. And another person I could have expected 
maybe a post promo to give him a little bit of mic time after his win. But Leo was fucking awesome. Oni looks like, you know, just some guy you do not want to mess with. Like, I don't know, in, in the alleys of like either Boston or, or Ireland doesn't really matter. Like he just looks grizzled, <laughs> but Leo Rush, man, he, uh, he is fucking awesome in the ring, man. He's great on the mic. It's so funny, Chris, that back in the day, Leo Rush was in a tag team with uh, another guy that's pretty damn good in the ring and pretty good on the mic with the Velveteen Dream. Uh, not a lot of people knew that, but uh, I'm glad that he's got a title shot. It's going to be interesting to see him go against Drew Gulak. It was interesting to see a cruiserweight number one contender match on this, You know, even though we heard all that stuff. I think Leo could take that title away from Drew, and they could kind of run with that. Uh, he could probably bring a lot of prestige, uh, and I'm glad that they got over all the bullshit. You know, it looks like very similar with Harper, very similar to Sasha. I'm glad that these people are coming back and WWE's finding places for them. But what did you think about this match, Chris? I thought it was really good, and I was really excited to see Leo Rush back because he had one of those gimmicks where he just left two, basically got buried from the main roster by Vince. So I was surprised that he came back. Um, I do think that you're you're spot on. You can give him the title, and now you have someone interesting to build it around because since, like, Neville and Enzo, they haven't had, like, a really good mouthpiece for that title. And not that Gulak is a bad wrestler or anything. I just don't think that... No. I mean, his last name is Gulak. Like, I don't know how over you're ever going to get with that name. Julia Gulia. Uh, I don't know why that popped in my head. But yeah, I agree. He does have a uh, ugly-ass last name. Um, last match, we had a street fight with Matt Riddle and Killian Dane. We kind of went over this. Uh, it just it got nutty. Then it went in the back parking lot, and then it went all over the place, and then everyone was involved. Like, the Forgotten Sons got involved. Street Profits were fighting. You know, if it wasn't such a clusterfuck, Chris... First of all, like I said, this is literally the third time the match between the two of them, or maybe the second time. Yeah, that's right, because I got in a brawl one time before that, where they just didn't give us a match. It just got fucked over because of an OTQ. Um, I'm hoping, even though, like, I, I would assuming that it would end up being a street fight, but I'm pretty sure this was supposed to be billed as a street fight. So I was really confused. No winner, just everyone fighting. And they didn't really organize, like, setting up stuff. Like I said, they could have had the Undisputed Era kind of positioned themselves against Imperium and have like a face-off. They could have had Pete Dunne trying to fight with Walter, you know, rekindling their feud from the past. Just stuff, little things to set up from the future. It just was guys fighting and baby faces versus heels. There was no organization. So that's my biggest critique of the night. And weird way to send it off, but I get it. I know that Monday Night Wars, that happened a lot at the end. Usually they just had storyline driven into it. And, you know, it was it, it was because they built it and it was much more organized with who got hit by what and what finisher happened, who got rock bottom and a stunner would happen. You know, they did that in WCW, they did that in WWE during the Monday Night Wars. And I think Paul was trying to go for that, but I just think he kind of a couple bucks short, uh, in my opinion. I agree with you 100%. And I will say this sucks because I really wanted to see Killian Dane versus Matt Riddle. Like, just give me the goddamn match already. Um, yeah, I everything you said is 100% spot on because it did feel like a 90s era move to end the show. But, like, 
I don't know why they think that was good because people hated it then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, hey, that was the first night, man. And, honestly, once they get – it's so weird. Once they go to two hours, it's going to be on USA, and the first week that starts, two weeks is going to be AEW. Uh, so we had some comments made, Chris, that we should probably talk about. Oh, actually, uh, well, before we do that, there were a couple of minor injuries um, uh, that happened. Let's see. So, basically, Velveteen Dream was favoring uh, after uh, had lumbar pain. Where is the lumbar? Is that your back, basically? I don't know what the hell it is. It's your lower back. Like, if you're sitting in a chair, it's the mid right above your ass. Um, and, uh, he was walking gingerly, apparently in the back. He's supposed to make a full recovery, but he's beaten up basically. I would let him have, you can give him two weeks off after this and then him come after Adam Cole. Like I'm not fucking around. You screwed me over. I'm taking your title, you know, and really bring it. Maybe the first night they go against AEW, give him off next week. If you, if you need to maybe do a promo with them, but I don't want to see fucking Velveteen dream getting really hurt. Unfortunately, uh, Arturo, uh, who has, uh, he needed an x-ray on his hand after the match with Pete Dunne, uh, maybe Dunne when he was in the arm bar, just keep, maybe this is kind of the reason why you don't, because Pete did an actual arm bar, so maybe that's the reason why you don't do it, I guess, uh, to make sure situations like this doesn't happen, uh, I don't know, and then, um, Kona Reeves was busting open during a dark match before the broadcast, um, he needs stitches, and he had orbital bone damage. Um, and he's being reexamined after the swelling goes down. So that sucks. None of the three are medically cleared at this time. So uh, those are the injury reports, of one of the bad sides about this. But intensity happens, and situations like this are inevitable, unfortunately. Chris, you got any comments? Yeah, it sucks for Arturo because I feel like they were gearing up to give him some sort of push, and now we don't know where he's at. Um, I think Velveteen Dream will be fine. I, like you said, I, you could just use them in promos to build up to that match with Adam Cole, which is I think is where it's going. And it'll also get his character over on TV. So I don't necessarily think his injury is too terrible or a bad idea. Um, the other one is just kind of there. And that's the like the worst injury of the night just kind of sucks. But I, I don't know booking-wise what I would do anyways. Um, out of that. So yeah, outside of that, yeah, all, obviously, anytime anyone gets hurt, it's it's a real shitty situation. But I think that you can. It sucks for Arturo. It sucks because I feel like they were going to do something with him, and hopefully, maybe even his injury is a gimmick because Pete Dunne breaks breaks the fingers in the hand. I uh, hope and they're so. going to do something else. So I'm hoping that one might be a gimmick just because of where he was injured at. Yeah, and accidents happen. I don't think Pete was trying to go into business for himself or anything like that. I think it was, you know, due to the hold, it it might have actually caused an injury. And that happens in wrestling all the time. Uh, hopefully he's healed up soon. And hopefully the other gentleman, um, Kona Reese, everything's okay with his orbital bone. That really sucks. Velveteen Dream, just let him chill and relax. And uh, we'll see him back very soon. So maybe we should finally talk about this, Chris, because – you know, yeah. you 15 minutes left. All right, so I'm sure you guys know uh, Kenny Omega was on Sportkita uh, dropkick discussion 
And uh, the one of the chairmen of AEW was asked about the impending Wednesday Night War with WWE NXT brand. Uh, and the best bout machine had an interesting um, response about it, to say the least. So I'm going to say the quote. No, I'm not going to try to do it in Kenny Omega's weird, uh, frantic uh, promo style, but I'll just, <laughs> just, just, you can call it in water if you want. No, I'm just kidding. You can call it a war if you want. It's like, to me, like, we're in a completely different kind of business. I mean, what they're doing is different from what we're doing. It's weird because it's hard to say you're going to war with people that, you know, I call friends. And yet we are going to war. And and yet when I sit back and look at the grand picture, it's like I'm going to war with these dudes that if we were on the same show together, the same show, the same promotion, let's pretend there were no borders. Let's pretend there are no promotions. Let's just pretend – they're just one big promotion. If these guys were on the same show as me, they'd be in the dark match. They'd be in the opening match of my main event. And then he would continue to say, you're going to call that a war? You're going to call that competition? Go ahead. Okay. Maybe it's fun for you to do. That's cool. But we're different planets. And you're going to see that right away when, when you see 10,000-plus arenas sold out. You're going to see smiles on faces of fans, and you're going to see real stars, not de- developmental talent, but real stars appearing on your television sets every week. All right. Well, I'm going to pass to you, but before I – so you can say what you guys say before <laughs> I do. Uh, I have I to go first. I, I just don't want to get that angry. I'm trying to, like, build myself to Incredible Hulk mode. Um, I got but it. I will say this oh. was somewhat in character, but it was a part of a – it wasn't a promo. It wasn't – it was him doing an interview. And I don't understand the whole fucking concept of Kenny's character. I am aggravated about this. I was aggravated about Seth with his shitty comments. And, you know, I think that me and Chris kind of see differently. But even Matt Riddle to an extent, too, with his things. Um, I just think it's bullshit cheap heat. I'll just start off by saying that. And I don't know what Kenny Omega's character is because there's three different ones. There's the uh, anime villain that he performed in Japan. Uh, There is the crazy one that is on a losing streak and that's going out of his mind. And this arrogant, cocky one that makes me think that that's more him than anything. So you can say he's putting on a character, but this type of shit to me needs to fucking stop. I don't get it. Uh, You don't see performers like Kazuchika Okada saying how great they are or fucking taking shots at everyone. And guess what? He should. You don't everyone can say what they want about Roman Reigns. <laughs> Roman Reigns Roman Reigns is not fucking doing this at all either. He, and now obviously when it comes to performance level, yes, yeah, Seth and Kenny can run circles around him. Roman Reigns is more well known and he's not that egotistical. So I don't get this crap. When Jericho does it, it's funny. You can tell he's in character. He's doing a fucking promo. There's just a difference. And I don't like this. Like I said, I think it's cheap. I think it's just a shitty statement. I think those are his friends and former colleagues. And some of them that uh, Dominic uh, Dijakovic even stated was, oh, okay, good. I'm, I'm glad that during your anniversary show that you did at PWG, you, you know, you basically, your match sucked compared to me and Keith Lee's. And that's, you know, that, that's, the, that, that's that match that everyone talks about with them that started off them having a lot of matches together. So 
I thought it was it was a dick move. Uh, you know, fucking Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Kushida, they're lower than you. They are fucking on the dark matches. They are – give me a break, Kenny. You don't even believe that. It's just cocky and arrogance, and that shit that him and Seth are doing, put them down a fucking pe- – uh, a pedestal for me. I guess I'm going, Chris, is what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> they put him down a pedestal. They're two of the best in-ring competitors, but guess what? hate to fucking tell you, they're not doing things in the industry like The Fiend, like John Moxley, like Becky, like Kofi even, like Roman even, like fucking, I'll even say Braun Strowman, you know, sometimes can be at a different level. When him and Seth were with each other, Braun looked more like a goddamn star interacting with Stone Cold than Seth did. And when it gets back to Kenny, Kenny's down on the fucking totem pole with John Moxley and Cody in his own industry when it comes to being a star. I love Kenny Omega, but fuck that. That's bullshit. And I just don't understand how that's going to help. I understand he's a little bit sore because of the, the show that, you know, he helped organize in Jacksonville and WWE positioning against him. And obviously NXT is going head to head against them to make a statement. But NXT was always on Wednesday nights. It was. Obviously, it's not going to be live now in two hours on USA, but it was always on Wednesday nights beforehand. And uh, Dynamite sucks as a name. I liked Wednesday night Dynamite way better, so fuck you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Chris. Man, how do I follow this up? I I will say what I am hoping uh, within the depths of my heart that this was supposed to be a promo, like supposed to be – I'm going to get some heat like Jericho gets heat and it just came off very poorly. But if he actually feels that way, what I would say about no one knew who the fuck you were until you fought Okada. (laughs) Like if we're being honest, like I knew who he was, but it was because he was a wrestler that did street fighter tournaments. But if we're going back three years ago or two years ago when this podcast started, no one knew who you were, bro. Um, and that's not me trying to be a dick, but, like, to to call, like, Keith Lee out and, like, some of these dudes that were kind of at the same level but maybe didn't get 60-minute matches against Okada, for instance, in the Tokyo Dome, um, I would say it's a really – it's a real shit bag move. I like Omega as well. I was never as high on Omega as some other people were. Um, I think when we did our top ten list, I had to fight – tooth and nail for uh, for Okada to get ranked three and Omega ended up winning it. Um, but yeah, all around, I, I just really terrible, like not needed, I guess. It's not going to help their brand at all by him calling them developmental talent. I think what he was trying to say is like, I am a main eventer and they will always be on the lower card than me. And if he would have just said that, like Jericho would have said it, uh, probably fine. And uh, when I watched this initially, I just took it as, like, a shoot, and I immediately texted you, like, a bazillion messages about him being a complete asshole. But I am hoping that it was just, like, I fucked up, and it I was trying to do a promo, and it wasn't very good. That's what I hope it was, because there's a lot of good-ass wrestlers <laughs> in NXT um, who have done things in other places, specifically, like, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong... Um, the list goes on and on. I, I, there's no need for me to just list NXT roster members, but you you get what I'm saying. So I 100% agree with you. And, and what I will say about uh, Kenny is maybe have the best match on your show before you start saying that 
they're going to be below you on the card. Because yeah, no shit. If you look back at if you if you look back at Gargano and Cole's matches recently, Kenny Omega hasn't had anything that's touched that since Okada. I agree. I agree, and I know a lot that that's not a popular thing to say, but you know, me and you were just being honest, and I just I don't like this arrogance uh, with and with uh, AEW fans. Like my God, it's it hasn't even fucking started with television. Let's see what happens in a month of who is more known to the wrestling audience that's new to this between Kenny Omega and Velveteen Dream when they're going head-to-head fucking a couple months from now. I I, I hate downgrading one of my favorite wrestlers, but I just, like I said, I don't get this, this way to promote things. I think it's just, it just, I don't know. I mean... He didn't come off in the interview like, like Conor McGregor does when he's doing promos. You can just tell he's just saying whatever to fucking sell the fight. Like, he sounded like he was arrogant about it. And it's like, I didn't like that arrogance with two of my favorite in-ring performers back from the 90s with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Like, I kind of hated hearing about stuff like that later on. It's good to know that you're good, you know, but at the same time, how about you fucking back it up? Because the promo that you did against Shawn Moxley was good. I haven't seen anything promo-wise or anything like that that's been really that compelling from him since then. Um, I kind of, I'm even, you know, I love Kenny Omega, but when he got the IWGP title, I thought that he kind of, he couldn't carry it as well as Okada did, and that's why I inevitably went back to Okada. So there is a lot of annoyance from these fans that are diehards, ride or die, they want NXT to burn now and want fucking WWE to fail for their new, amazing, trendy you know, it just puts a bad taste in my mouth, and it almost makes me want – I'll fucking say this. I want them to get humbled. I want them to get humbled right. in a couple months. I want them to I mean, be I, good I, afterwards, but I, I want them to fucking feel a little bit of, you know, oh, shit. Just a little bit of fear. Just a little bit. I mean, as Where a wrestling say, fan, you should be happy – as a wrestling fan, you should be happy that there's 20 hours of good content that you can watch a week. You have a plethora of good wrestling. Like – I get that they're trying to do this war and it's going to be a thing and there's no way we can avoid it, but you can just watch both, especially if NXT is posting on the WWE network the next day, like just enjoy it. And like, I know they're taking shots at each other and hopefully, like I said, this was just a bad Jericho promo. Cause that's what I would equate it to unless he was being serious. And if he's being serious, then, um, he should really be taken down a peg because he hasn't had the best matches on any of the AEW shows yet. So like the Cody Dustin match was the best match. And both of those guys are WWE guys. So I, well, Dustin, not so much. Cause I guess you can say you in W a W C C W and WCW, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you can't actually yeah. say that you guys are below me without saying that someone is above you because Cody, so far for AEW, has killed it every match he's had and told great stories. Um, I mean, like, the Kenny Omega SEMA match, while it was good, is a really good match, technically. They told zero stories. No one cares. They haven't developed this character at all. It's it's just it's it's baffling to me. Like unless he's going to come out and kill the entire roster the first opening night and really put himself over, you can't say that you're the top guy when Jericho's walking around with your title uh, or losing your title and then getting it back and then drinking the bubbly. 
Um, Drink a little bit of the bubbly. Your top guy is a WWE guy. Like, don't even point out your relationship without them, with, with them at all. Because this is a big mistake that TNA used to do is like, oh, they left that company because they suck. But then it just draws attention to that company. I agree, man. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's counter-fucking-productive. <laughs> it's extremely counterproductive, and it just comes off. It fuels those dickheads that are like, yeah, AEW is going to rule the world. You know, it gives that, it, 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 it basically fuels them to even be more prickish about this. And we don't want wrestling just to do well in general. Like, I know that a lot's going against you with how they're, how they're positioning things and how that, that pay-per-view, like we said, that was for, uh, you know, shooting, uh, shooting victims. The one they did in Jacksonville, how that kind of got a little bit fucked by WWE. That, that does suck. And I, I think that is a level of pettiness that Vince will play because he's a businessman and that's just how it is. You know, he already, this, he almost got fucked over beforehand. He's not taking any chances towards the end of his run. So I get that. I don't want Vince to put them out of business. I don't want them to fucking fuck over NXT. I want everyone to do well. But I will say, if, if you're asking me just from how people are hyping it and how people are just so damn devoted and, and seem at least they want everything else, maybe besides New Japan, to do bad, like I just don't get those, that audience, and I kind of want things to get shaken up a little bit. I want to shake up. You know, I don't want them to – like I want them to succeed maybe the first couple nights – and then have a little bit of a, a couple bumps just so they can be, like, humbled a bit. Because I, that's the thing about Kenny. Sometimes Cody, when he's talking to, but I don't think he's as bad. But Kenny, with this last statement, it seems like they need to be fucking humbled. And uh, I don't understand where you're trying to make wrestling better, putting down the competition with people that you used to work with and respect, apparently. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. How much time do we have left before I – do this, and maybe we'll talk about it on next show. Um, apparently, we got like two minutes left. I didn't even check that, so have to give me the uh, two minute warning. Two, two, two. Okay, all right. Two. Yeah, so never mind. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, essentially, what I was going to say is that the big question is what are they even going to build their show around at two hours um, when they don't really have any storylines going except for maybe Aja Kong versus uh, Awesome Kong and the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. That's the only stories they've really told us. Well, uh, well with Chris, Cody killing. They're, uh, they're trying to go for their diehard fans. And uh, obviously those fans watch the, you know, being the elite. Except for the problem is not a lot of people do. So, I don't know. They always keep on saying they're going to remain smaller, but I think that's still a bunch of bullshit. And that. I mean, if they want, they want to be global. They want to be known everywhere. So it's whatever. Well, then don't, of... don't, call in a, don't call NXT developmental if you want to be smaller. No shit. <laughs> well, um, I completely agree with you on that, but uh, we got to wrap it up. Um, great show, guys. A lot of agreements with me and Chris. One, unagreement, but that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of friendship and, and, and loving wrestling as a product. We're here to speak our minds. And even if we don't agree on something, we still come back and agree on about a majority of everything else, especially Kenny Omega being a giant douchebag with this. I hope we didn't lose fans because the tail end of this episode, I still love Kenny Omega. Thank you guys so much for listening. Chris, say goodbye to the great audience. Hey, everybody. You can hit me at Chris Arpad on Twitter. 
Christopher Ray Patton on Facebook. If you want to defend Kenny Omega, come at me. It's fine. Uh, I love Kenny Omega, as Dane said. While we have our disagreements, we always talk about it. I I would say talk about it like sensible people, and you can have good conversations. Check out the hockey podcast, Skates to Throat, and all of the Geek Vibe stuff. Uh, Everyone have a good day. Peace out, guys. Have a good one. Much love.